0: Well, good morning, Refuge Church, the refuge that is meeting in a refuge, the sermon could write itself this morning. Uh, you know, I, I love being your pastor and just reflecting on what the refuge is, and we say it every week that the, the church is, is not the building, it's the people. And uh, this is proof of that. But God has provided us with a building this morning. Uh, We give him praise for that. Uh, You know, I was was describing this morning, I had to get up early, well, somewhat early, and uh, go get some firewood for our students' bonfire tonight. And uh, has anybody been to Scott's Nursery over here, right off the the freeway here? Well, it's a great great spot. He got up especially, just he heard that we were doing something for a church, so he got up and he, he... sold me some firewood and he gave us a great deal on it. Uh, and I told him, uh, we were just talking about, you know, refuge and and uh, what we're doing and how we're just kind of all over the place right now. And that a people, it kind of describes our people. I said, we're a bunch of, we're like the island of misfit toys because we're not those perfect church going folks. And somewhere along the line, I think he heard it as, because when I left, he's like, He asked what the name of the church was. I said Refuge. He said the Island of Misfit Toys. So I think he thinks our church's name is the Island of Misfit Toys. So I don't know. We'll see. If you see Scott, if you go over there, uh, tell him that we are the Refuge Church, not the Island of Misfit Toys. We can describe it that way. Hey, we are starting this first uh, Sunday of Advent. Uh, We are going to be uh, meditating on hope this morning. So you'll see one candle lit here. This is to represent hope. So uh, every year at Refuge, we go through the... um, uh, the four, four Sundays, love, joy, peace, and hope. Uh, and if you don't know what Advent is, so Advent is a, uh, it's the, le- the weeks leading up to uh, the birth of Jesus or the, what we celebrate as the birth of Jesus. Advent itself comes from the, the Latin word uh, adventus, which means coming or arrival. So we are expecting uh, this coming arrival of our King and, and reflecting on uh, the significance of the birth of Jesus. Uh, so today, uh, what we do every every year, we always go through these four. And so, I'm going to start with uh, hope today. Uh, I wanted to first before who was here for last year's uh, hope message. Anybody have a takeaway from last year? Because there's going to be a similar takeaway uh, this year. I'm going to plagiarize uh, Pastor Scott, I think, is, uh, who, uh, who has this, ha- had this um, specific definition. But it's a biblical definition and one that your elders all come around. But we need to define what is hope. So if you look at the dictionary, uh, ho- the, the dictionary will say that hope is a feeling of expectation or desire for a certain thing to happen. Second definition is a feeling of trust. Notice the key words there are feeling. Feeling. That is not what we b- define hope as biblically. But how do we see this playing out? I b- want, want to hear what are some examples of how we hear hope used in everyday language? What's, what's an example? I hope, so. I hope what? I hope, so. hope so. Yep. Any others? I hope? You're Say it right. again? Hope it doesn't rain, right? Uh, yeah, I, I hope you're doing well. We hear that a lot. Hope, hope you're well. Uh, hope I can make it to that party. Hope you feel better. We've had a lot of that recently. Hope you feel better. Anybody else? Goodness, that ravaged my family. It was, uh, was bad this last couple weeks. Uh, I hope I get a good grade on this test. Hope I get a raise at my job. Hope my friend comes to know Jesus. That's a good hope. Uh, I hope that I get this present at Christmas, but the one that you are all thinking about is I hope that the Washington Huskies win the college football national playoffs so I can finally prove to everyone here in SEC country that there's an inherent bias towards southern sports teams and the real players come from the west coast. West side. West side. Alright. Sorry. Get back. Every time you hear anything to do with a side, you just need to repeat that. So if I say we're on the west side of the building, I say your sins are as far as the east side is from the west side. side. Thank you. All right. We're going to do all right this morning. If we look at scripture, though, biblical hope is not a feeling. It is not, a, it's not how the world defines hope because all of these, there's a, there's a chance. We're hoping that something happens, but it may not happen, Right? That's what we see. But if we look at scripture, uh, the English word hope that's used, the biblical authors are more closely relating this to a confident expectation, a confident expectation. There's a lot of places I could go in the Bible uh, for hope, but go look at wherever hope is used and replace that with a confident expectation, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, The definition, if you do want to write this down, this is what I firmly believe, this is what us elders believe, that when we talk about hope, hope is a confident expectation or assurance based on a sure foundation. A confident expectation or assurance based on a sure foundation. So hope is a reality. And it's important that we're taking the time to define it, because every other scripture we're going to be going through, and when we talk about hope, this is what we need to think of, not the hope that the world says, but what is biblical hope, and that is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation. So in the Bible, there is no, I hope this will happen. There is no, I hope it's true, because it is true. Everything that we read in the Bible is true. We do not have to hope that it's true. There is no, I guess we'll find out. That's another kind of, when we say, I hope, we're like, I guess guess we'll find out, right? But in the Bible, we can know, because one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, King, and Savior. Think about how that would look like right now. Uh, I was with a couple guys this, uh, this past week, and we talked, we were just reflecting on what if Jesus were to walk in these doors, what if he were to come on the east side of the building? Just see, make sure you're away. Imagine he were to walk in here, what would that look like to you? If he came to you, again, it's, it can be dangerous to kind of think, project what we think it might look like, but just, just think about that for a second, that there would be zero doubt there'd be zero doubt that Jesus is king. You know, it's easy to say we'd say this or say this, we'd all fall flat on our face, we would worship this man, but there would be no doubt. There would not be an atheist in this room. There would not be a Christian in this room who doubts because we would see him, but we can have that assurance today because of hope. So today, just thinking on that, biblical hope, again, is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation Don't get numb today to the person of Jesus. It's very easy, I'm I'm, I'm tempted to do this in study, in in prayer, is, is the idea of Jesus, and not realizing that we are talking about a real person. A real person that is looking for relationship with you. So think about that, think about who you are praying to. We worship a man, one that was fully man, fully God. And so don't be tempted to think of him just as an idea. Think of him as a man who will live perfectly, died, raised, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is seeking that personal relationship with you this morning. So like I said, there's many places. The Bible is full of hopes. Who here has a physical Bible? Hold it up. I won't do the Joel Augustine thing. I just love seeing these Bibles. Who here has a phone? You can hold that up. We're going to go to a couple different scriptures today. So, like I said, there's so many places in the Bible that talk about hope. If you go in and replace it with that definition, you'll see it. Uh, you'll see it many places. Uh, it's a dangerous thing when you just ask God, "Give me, bring me somewhere in the Bible," and ask Him to God, just give me a word for your people. That's what your pastors pray over every week when we prep: is give us a word for the Refuge Church. And He took me somewhere this week that was not somewhere I was expecting to go, and that's in Romans 8. So I have three scriptures for you if you're one who likes to earmark. We're going to be in Romans 8. We're going to be in Matthew 1 and Philippians 1. Romans 8, that's going to be our primary text. Matthew 1 and Philippians 1. So my goal as we go there this morning is to preach this biblical hope To you, my brothers and sisters, and I'm just trusting that the Lord will root this in your souls. I need his help this morning, so let me pray uh, before we get into the actual uh, sermon. Lord, we need you this morning. God, keep me from error in my words. God, let your perfect word be a balm to our souls this morning. God, I humbly ask that you meet us right here and that your voice be clearly perceived in our heads, hearts, and move it to our hands. God, I pray against any works of the enemy. Uh, He has no power here compared to you and your might. It's in the precious name of Jesus we ask these things this morning. Amen. So let's turn to Matthew 1 together. Matthew 1 will be uh, starting in verse 18. So where could we, what do we talk about hope this Christmas season? This is, a, this is one that no doubt you have read, uh, that you will read many times. Uh, again, not our primary text today, but uh, this is one that as we're reflecting on Christmas and this Advent season, uh, one that we should, we should start off with. So it is the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Praise God. Amen. Underline, for he will save his people from their sins. That is the hope. That is our hope this Christmas season. That is one that that I just want to scream to everybody, and I need to believe in my heart, and one that should take root in us, that is the purpose Of this Advent season we are celebrating the Son of God coming to earth why to take away the sins of the world that is great news that's great news for me I hope it is for you as well take away the sins of the world Now, this was also fulfilling all of the prophets everything that the prophets uh, were were prophesying Uh, and can you imagine this can you imagine that all this time waiting for a coming Messiah just waiting Hundreds of hundreds of years waiting for this coming Messiah, and imagine being there and knowing he's here. He has come. You do not have to wait any longer. He is here. The Messiah is here. I want to let's let's see. Do We've done this in students. If you have that physical Bible, let's uh, take it out. So from actually, I can just show you. Usually, I'm, I'm mic'd up here. So from here, from here to here, this is the Old Testament, right here, that is all pointing to the coming Jesus. So if you just want to simplify the Bible, this is all pointing to the coming Jesus. Now, if we go, that's from from Genesis up to Matthew. Then we've got Matthew to Acts. So this little piece right here, my Bible's going to fall apart. This piece right here, that's proclaiming that Jesus is here. So Jesus is coming, Jesus is here, and then moving forward, that's he's preached, that means he's coming again, and then in Revelation, uh, he's promised. Anybody here ever listen to a guy named Alistair Begg? But yeah, so a uh, Scottish dude, he preaches in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I don't know why you would go from Cle- or from Scotland to uh, uh, Cleveland, but just because he has a Scottish accent, it means that everything he says is theologically correct. Um, <laughs> I wish I could say the same thing. We, uh, so he, but he had this quote uh, that says, we find Christ in all the scriptures. In the Old Testament, he's predicted. In the Gospels, he's revealed. In Acts... He's preached. In the epistles, he's explained, and in Revelation, he's expected. So all through the scripture, all of it is pointing back to this man, Jesus, and the birth of Jesus, and that is not even the most important thing, but we do celebrate this day, this, this, this arrival of Jesus, because this is a long-expected savior, and that he's here. So how were people saved in the Old Testament? Blood of Jesus, what else, what else do you think? Okay, we have rules, okay, bulls and goats, any other, what do you say? Atonement, yeah, faith in the coming Messiah, those, those, all these things are pointing, faith in the coming Messiah, right? How were people, during the time of Jesus, how were people saved? Say it again? In the time of Jesus, how are they saved? Well, yes, I guess a sacrifice is correct. The sacrifice of Jesus, all faith in the Jesus who is now here. And then how are we saved today? There you go. The faith in Jesus. So all of these things are pointing back to before Jesus looking towards the coming Messiah. Faith in the one God during his time. Same thing, and then same thing right now. All of it pointing back to faith in Jesus and what he has done. You know, when you know the number one thing that Jesus preached, what would, what would you say? The number one thing that he preached it was two things. When he was on this earth, actually speaking, what was it? We should know this, Refuge Church. What'd you say? Help? Oh, hell, okay. Two things. Blank and blank. He did say the kingdom of Yeah, the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. The kingdom is at hand. That's what, he, that's what he said over and over and over. So all of these things, this hope does not base on our feelings. It's not based on our feelings, it's based on a person. But this is going back to Matthew 1. This is what our hope is in. He will take, he will save his people from their sins. Underline that bold. That that is the gospel. That is the good news. That Jesus rescues sinners. Repent and believe, for He will take. He will uh, save His people from their sins. So the Savior has arrived. The Savior has arrived. You can be free from your sins this morning. I don't. When I was reading this, that makes me like. That makes me just want to go shout that, you know, I won't start singing, you know, go tell it on the mountains, uh, unless you all want me to start singing, but I see, uh, I saw Sam Arnold shaking her head, so I won't do it, uh, but it just made me want to like, think, like, this makes you want to go to your atheist friend and say, there is a God, there is Jesus, he is here, he is, he is the savior of the world, and he will save you from your sins, Uh, I I know some of our students are talking to Muslim people in there. It makes you want to go to a Muslim and say, turn from Allah. And Jesus was not just a prophet. He was the son of God, and he will take away the sins of the world. It makes you want to go to your Hindu friend and say, turn away from this multitude of deities. Turn to the one true God. He will take away the sins of his people. To your Buddhist friend, stop worshiping Siddhartha Gautama, also known as Buddha. He's dead. He's a fat, dead dude. Turn to Jesus, who is alive today. He is alive, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and he will take away the sins of the world. Makes you want to go to your Jewish friend. Say, you're missing the train. You've missed it. He's arrived. He's here. Jesus is here, that long-expected coming Messiah is here, born fully man, fully God, lived perfectly, died the death that you deserve, and was raised again. He is the one who the Hebrew Bible points to. That all, all things are pointing to him. He saves his people from their sins. You know, I have Shinto friends who worship false gods, pray to their ancestors. Don't pray to them, pray to the one true God. Maybe it's to your Catholic friend, this is where I'll step on some toes, or your Christian friend, Are you relying solely on Jesus? Turn to them and say, are you solely relying on Jesus? If not, you're missing the train. Because he is the one, as we just read, that takes away the sins of his people. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone. That is our hope this Advent season. You don't have to be bound by your sins anymore because our hope is in a sure foundation of Jesus, not in yourself. Turn with me to Romans 8. Romans 8. Maybe I can get there too. So where are we today? So we just said biblical hope is a confident expectation or assurance based on a sure foundation. Let's read in, in Romans eight starting in verse 18. Again, I, there's only one small part of this that has the word hope, but for some reason the Lord kept bringing me back here and so I'm trusting that he will speak to you uh, today. For I consider, verse 18 says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. This is our hope right now. So where are we at right now? I know some of us have suffered, our suffering, and Christian, it's promised. Suffering is promised. You will suffer. But it is not worth comparing. We just sang songs looking forward to heaven. Have you ever stopped and reflected on what will that look like? What will, what will heaven look like compared to right now? The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to come. This isn't our home. This isn't refuge and, and this, this building and your home. This is not our home. We look forward to a future glory that is cannot compare what we have now, resurrected body, no more sin, no more tears, perfection, feasts, new heaven, new earth, imagine everything here perfected, sit on that and meditate on that, that is what is coming, that is what our hope is, but again, it's a sure, it's an expectation assurance based on a sure foundation because of what Jesus has already done but for now we live in a broken world and the Bible acknowledges that if we continue on in our text for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope you can underline hope in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So creation itself is pointing to this world is broken. Wow, that's a great point, Pastor. I could see that if I walked out the door, right? This world is broken, but the Bible promises that. We are suffering. This world is broken, but it is not where we're headed. We're headed to something that is so much, so far greater that is uh, not even, that cannot even compare to what uh, the sufferings of this current time. See, we all were born into sin. That's what this is saying. We were subjected to this uh, when, it, when it says, uh, when the Bible says, uh, for, subje- for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly because of him Who subjected uh, subjected it's talking about the original sin uh, through Adam we were born into this but you know this is a beautiful freedom that we have is when, when we realize this world is broken right anybody ever like thought about that that you know when you see bad things happening all you have to do is turn on the news my good is anybody here still watch the news every night okay that's a good thing I turned it on, or it was just on, I think it was like after a football game, and I'm like, my gosh, there is not a single piece of good news here, but it's also something that's expected. Creation is groaning. I love how it talks about creation itself. This is not talking about just us. It's talking about the world is groaning, and it uses the idea of childbirth. Uh, you mamas know what I'm talking about, that the childbirth, the, the pains Of childbirth the the groaning of a child coming out that's giving out new life and then once that new life comes that is what that's a picture of what is to come the beauty of new life it says that creation is groaning this it's saying that this world is not what it should be but we have hope my brothers and sisters we have hope turn to uh, verse 23 so we talked it talks about creation groaning Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So now I thought you said that hope is something that we see, that it's a sure foundation. But what this hope is talking about, it comes in the verse right before that. We wait eagerly for adoption as sons, redemption of our bodies. This is pointing at the hope That is to come in eternity. Creation groans. We groan. We get glimpses of this. He says we have the first fruits. We get glimpses of eternity. Think about that. Just as you turn on the news and see bad things happen on the news, you can also look and see all those little things that go right, that are good. uh, Time spent with family, with friends, uh, just a green light as you're driving through. All those small good things point to gifts from God, from a perfected heaven and earth. Until then, we groan because of this broken world. But this hope, and notice how it says, what does it say, at least in my Bible, it says in verse 24, for in this hope we what? We're Were saved. For in this hope we were saved. That's a past tense, already happened. We were saved, that's that sure foundation. If you're an underliner, underline hope and were. That is a sure foundation that we were saved because of something not that you've done, but something that God has done in you that Jesus has already done. We, will, we are saved now. If you are putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you are saved now, past tense, saved. Being saved, but also saved. You will be glorified. So when you are saved, you are justified. Through the blood of Christ, you are justified, not because of your works, but because of his works. You are justified. Now, the whole rest of your life is sanctified. You are being sanctified. And then finally, we will be glorified. We'll see that later in scripture. That hope is pointing to something that has already happened and something that will happen. If you're a note taker, write down a simple phrase, already, already but not yet. Already but not yet. That's where we live today. We live in the already, but not yet. My friends, we can have immense hope, biblical hope, that we live in the already, If you're here today just thinking about those sins that you've committed, those things that God cannot forgive, he can and he does and he will because of, not because of you and your merits, but because of what Jesus has already done, you are forgiven if you turn to him already, but not yet. We groan inwardly waiting for this coming uh, when Jesus will return again. Something else I love about this verse, if you continue with me, verse 26, it doesn't, the Bible doesn't leave us here. We already see this, is, this we already know how this plays out, that, that Jesus will return. That is a sh- for sure thing, but he also helps us right now through the Spirit. Verse 26, verse 26 says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody else here weak, feel weak? I'm raising my hand. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit inter- himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I love this. Anybody else been in that spot where you just don't know what to pray? Has anybody ever been, You know, raise your hands or anything. Have you ever been in that spot where you're in so much pain Think back just for a second. Maybe there's a time in your life where you've been in so much pain that you can't even get out a word. Anybody been there? That's what that inward groaning is like. But you don't have to have the words because the spirit himself intercedes, helps with groanings too deep for words. You know the pain I'm talking about. Maybe you're not there now. Maybe you've been there. You for sure will be at one point. But the Spirit helps us in this time with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Thank God, because I would mess up these prayers. I would not even know what to pray. According to the will of God. According to the will of God. So the spirit himself is interceding for you. When you don't know what to pray, just sit, meditate, and focus not on yourself, but on the spirit. God, I don't know what to pray today, but my hope is not in me, it's in you. The spirit himself intercedes. What is that that you need to turn to him with today? Where are you putting your hope somewhere else? Even your biblical hope, something that you think for sure will happen, are you putting it anywhere else besides Jesus this morning? That's something we always should be asking ourselves. And here's a promise, continuing In verse 28, this is one that we love to read. It should be a balm for the soul. It should be one that just is sweetness to our ears. And we know that for those who love God, all things, how many things? All All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is great news. So not only do we not have to rely on ourselves, the Spirit is helping us, but we know that all things work for good. I just talked to a couple guys about this this past week that are in the midst of just confessing sin, wrestling with sin, and they're wanting to get out of this. And our hope is not in that, but it is in the Spirit helping you, and then everything, all things, underline that, circle that, work together for good working for good in the will of God. This means everything will work out, not how you planned it, not how I planned it, but how God has planned it, and his plans are so much better than ours. By definition, anything that God does is good, so when you, if you wanna circle good there, it doesn't say work together for your plans, your good, For good because anything that God does is by definition good and it works together for good my friends We are heading towards final glorification There will be a day that we will be glorified As real as I am standing next to you the person next to you is is that you can physically touch that that's as real as What will come in eternity? It's a sure foundation We'll finish this this verse. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now there's a lot of ways. I know some of us are squirming, even reading those words of predestination, uh, predestined, foreknown, and we're not gonna go super deep into that, but here's the point, is that it's not based on you. It's based on Jesus, his finished work. He foreknew you. It just we just read that all things work out for good. That means he already knows what's going to happen. He already knew that you were going to go through trials. He already knew that you were going to need to turn to him with this hope, this that you needed the sure foundation and he sent his son to complete it. It's done. It's predestined. He's called he also is justified, past tense justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. It's a past tense, done deal. You, if you put your trust in him and not in yourself and not in other things, you will see his faith. Romans ten nine. if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, does it say you might possibly be saved? Is that what it says? What does it say? You will be saved. You can rest on that because it's not on you. It's on him. You might say, Pastor, I've screwed up my whole life. I've messed it up. I've messed it up even before I came here this morning. Who here is well aware of their sin even coming here this morning? I'm raising my hand for sure. But that is not on you. Don't put your hope in you and your sins. Put it in Jesus. You might say, I'm a Christian, but I have not been living like it. Yes, but don't put your hope in you Put it on Jesus. You might say, Pastor, I've done the worst things that you can imagine. Yes, but it's not on you. Put it on Jesus. Bring that to the foot of the cross. You may be just like, I've heard it from last sermon. uh, I told you all I was going through a bit of a rut in my faith. And I've heard multiple people saying, yes, I'm in that same spot. I'm in that same spot. if you're numb today, if you're still there, it's not on you. It's on Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Do not put your hope in your feelings. I'm s- preaching specifically uh, to a specific uh, type of person or a believer. Uh, anybody here been through doubt? I'm raising my hand. If you're not, there will be times that you will go through doubt and you need to hear Philippians 1.6. Uh, turn there uh, with me. Philippians 1.6. Underline it, circle it, get it tattooed, uh, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) Write it down, stick it on a sticky note. My gosh, this is our hope. If you are going through any doubts, again, it is not on you. Our hope is in Jesus. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am what? I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is outward focus. Read that again. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Is this, this is not saying you need to do enough, you need to work your way up to the, to the standard. It's saying that he, I am sure of this, that he, who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is our hope this morning, my friends. If you are doubting, if you are uh, worried about your salvation, you should be if it's in you and you're trying to, uh, to reach that goal. You're trying to reach that level um, of, of, of spirituality, if you're trying to reach that goal of works. But if you're putting it on Jesus and you're saying, I'm with him, then you will be saved. you can be free this Christmas season through Jesus you can be free do not put your hope in your bank account that could be drained with one phone call do not put your hope in your performance as a student as an employee as a ball player As a friend, as a husband, as a father. Do not put your hope in your performance. Put your hope in Jesus. Don't put your hope in relationships. Put your hope in Jesus. Do not put your hope in past achievements. Put your hope in Jesus. Do not put your hope in your career. Put your hope in Jesus. Do not put your hope in a physical appearance. Put your hope in Jesus. Don't put your hope in a new piece of technology. Put your hope in Jesus. Don't put your hope in your health that will fail. Put your hope in Jesus. Don't look to a Democrat. Amen. Amen. Don't look to a Republican. Amen. Amen. Look to Jesus. Don't look to a self-help book that has one little piece of nugget that may end up pointing back to something that's already a biblical principle, you don't need that, you need Jesus. Don't look at good works and whether those will outweigh your bad. Look to Jesus, whose good works were the only works that we rely on, on the finished work of Jesus that was sufficient for all of your sins. Look to Jesus. And most importantly this morning, you're hearing this, God foreknew that you were going to be here, but don't let this be just head knowledge. You need to know Jesus with your heart. Seek him today. He's ready, willing, and able to save you from your sins. We read that in Matthew 1:18. If you hear nothing else this morning, hope is a confident expectation based on a sure foundation in Jesus. Turn to him with your heart this morning. I'm going to close with this. You know, I've been talking to more and more students, 1825ers, and I've realized this strong connection towards songs. And I've been made fun of, I know Scott has as well, for uh, bringing songs to the end of a, uh, of a sermon. But there should be, I know as we listen to these throughout the week, sometimes those do stick with us more. And I want you to listen to songs of hope with this biblical definition. There's a few uh, And I I don't know who wrote all these. You'll have to fact check me. But one that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope, biblical hope, my sure foundation. My sure foundation is built upon nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Another one, All my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven because I've been washed with the blood. Then, through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls belong to him who holds our days within his hand, what comes apart from his command and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand. Oh sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal, oh sing hallelujah, now and ever we confess Christ, our hope in life and death. That is the song we will sing today. Biblical hope is a sure, is a confident expectation based upon a sure foundation as we sing that, know that this morning. I'm praying that over each and every one of you that we know that hope that is Jesus, not in us, but in the one who saves us. Let's pray.